morning, Bethel. How we doing? Good to see you guys this morning. Um, I'm going <clears> to <throat> pause a little bit. Christy, would you come up here? She doesn't know I'm doing this, so um, <clears throat> this is always fun. Come up. <laughs> you probably should have brought the mic. Yeah, you better. You're speaking today. You did not know that? <laughs> um, as many of you know, Christy got... Christy got some really... We're speaking on that verse about how men are supposed to treat their wives. So open your Bibles. Sure. I'll sit sit down. (laughs) Um, Wednesday, we got some really good news. And many of you know, we um, we went on on Facebook and kind of shared. But we want to make sure that you guys knew. um, You guys have been on this journey with Christy uh, this year, uh, starting in January. I was thinking about Galatians. Uh, The first Sunday of the year, we started our series in Galatians. And thinking we were just going to go through the book of Galatians. And then we kind of got derailed with... Um, cancer, uh, with treatments, with hospital stays, and all of you have been on this journey the whole time, and so I wanted to, I wanted to first just uh, congratulate Christy for, for going through this. We all got to see her walk through this, and what a, uh, what a blessing it was, really, to see how she um, held on to her faith and, and how God worked through it, and we ultimately know God, God did the work along with medical staff and your prayers and around the country, people uh, getting on board, so I wanted to highlight you just for a second. All right, so round of applause. No. <laughs> um, so what's next? I'm putting you on the spot. I did not feed this to you. So what's next for you, Christy? What are you doing? <laughs> um, I don't know what's next. <laughs> I know I told him, and I've, I've told a couple of you, I feel like I've been like almost like in a holding pattern. Yeah. Like this year, just kind of just doing the stuff that I'm supposed to do and sleeping a lot and... And now it's like time to get out of the holding pattern. And I'm like, oh, how do I do that? Yeah. I don't know exactly what that looks like. So I don't know what's next. That's okay. No, that's okay, good. So next is launch. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. She actually has bedhead now. Yeah, so I do. I have a... to get up and wet it because it sticks up in the morning. <laughs> Takes her two more minutes to get ready yeah, now. It so. Does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she's, she's doing really good. So um, what can people still pray for, for you? Because people are still praying. I know I'm putting you on the spot. That's good. <laughs> um, I have two tests tomorrow. Uh, we're going to look okay. at my throat. Uh, there was a little spot in my throat and an ultrasound on my kidney. and okay. So I don't know that those would be clear. The doctor doesn't think it's anything, but we just want to make sure. And so yeah. that's tomorrow. And um, I don't know. For I want to live my life well. I mean, I'm getting this, I don't know if it's the second chance or hundredth chance, you know, that God has spared my life. But I want to do something for him and live it well. And so I don't know exactly what that looks like. Yeah. I'll stay with you. And, Good. All right. And, cool. Uh, and we'll, we'll figure it out together. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's the first thing I'm doing. The first thing I'm doing is that. All right. So. That's good. Yes. All right. So, but you thought you were going to get rid of me, but no. No, so. no, no. Um, I, once again, I mean, we're very, very grateful. Yes. We've, we've talked about this at length in, in our church family. Um, you guys, even people that we don't know, uh, people that have just kind of heard about uh, Christy's story. And, and jumped on with us. We, we, are, we are extremely grateful. Um, we've been reaffirmed. It's not like we learned it. We knew the church was important, but it reaffirmed the value of a church family and community. And uh, it was, it's, been a, it's been an amazing, it's almost seven months. So six yeah. months, seven months? Six months. I'm so bad at the... Yeah, it's six. Okay, six. Because it you. started okay. in January. Oh, thank you. We just yeah. started in July. I was counting July. So, yeah. so, okay, six months. All right. 
I have this mental thing where I can't figure yeah, that out. It's so, okay. all right. So, thank you, Christy. I appreciate yes. it. I want to pray for you, and I want to um, thank God for you, and then also let you go sit down. Sorry okay. to put you on the spot. You get to pick somebody else, so they're next. All right. Okay. Who's it gonna be? <laughs> all right. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Christy. Thank you for allowing us to to watch her. Um, God and choosing her to go through this, and and then being with her. Uh, she prayed way back when that she would uh, do it well, and we saw her life um, on display. Uh, God, not that every moment was enjoyable and not every moment was uh, full of hope, but, but we see how your hand worked, and we get to um, continue to have Christy around and experience her. So God, just give her peace, rest, and even in the uncertainty right now, just let her um, have rest and peace. Well, we love you. We are grateful for a family that would come together and support and lift up and, and God uh, encourage. So we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, babe. All right. Very good. So the problem of, we are in Galatians. Now, if we go way back to January, we started the first couple verses um, in Galatians, and now we're going to pick back up in chapter 2. Uh, Pastor Ruben, he did this, uh, man, I think I looked, it was like March, end of March, April maybe, was the last time we were in Galatians, and he talked about the problem of prejudice. And so we're going to jump in following that, kind of continuing the, the verses, verse 15. And this is where, just to kind of give you a recap, because I know if you've read Galatians, it's one of the, almost one of the harshest books that Paul wrote. He's very, uh, typically gentle, very pastoral, very loving. And he had started this church, uh, these churches in Galatia, or in Asia Minor, kind of modern-day Turkey. He had started these churches, and he was writing back to them because a lot of the news was coming to him uh, from people that had been there, people he had sent to the community. And, and this particular um, letter is very, very strong. And he had a purpose for making it strong because he wanted to send it ahead and work ahead so that when he showed up, it wouldn't be um, so harsh. And so when we're reading through Galatians, he's pretty bold and he's very clear about what he's trying to teach, which is Jesus and nothing else. Uh, you can't add anything to the gospel. You can't add anything to Jesus. You can't put your faith in anything else but Jesus. And so I've, I've kind of got a question. If you go to school to be a lawyer, you graduate, you begin to practice law, what does that make you? Everybody's like, I don't know if there's a trick answer. An attorney, Chrissy says. Okay, thank you. No, a, a lawyer. So it makes you a lawyer, right? Okay. So that was not a trick question. So if you go to school to be a teacher and you get your education, you leave and you start teaching, what does that make you? Hey, a teacher. Okay, okay. So if you go to school to be an engineer and then you graduate and you design stuff, what does that make you? Everybody's waiting for the trick, right? That's what's happening. I know you guys know me too well. No, so if you go to school to be a counselor and you graduate and you practice and then you meet clients and you guide and you give advice, what does that make you? Counselor. counselor. Okay, so all these things are true. And then if you go to school to be a pastor and you graduate and then you get into ministry and then you try to shepherd people, what does that make you? Confused and lost. No, I'm just kidding. It's a <laughs> wanting to go back to school for something else. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Every time you get into a career and you begin to practice, it makes you that thing. And so what we do is in life, we have these experiences where, well, if I would just do this thing and if I'd learn how to do it and examine it and practice it and put it into practice, that makes me a better whatever. And so if you're in law or if you're, in, or you're a doctor or nurse or if you're in teaching, there's continual updates, there's continual learning and continual growing. That's in every field. And so why couldn't we take that and apply it to Christianity. Can we begin Christianity, study Christianity, kind of be maybe discipled and grow, go to Sunday school, go to Bible studies? Can't we become 
a better Christian? Is that possible? Here's what I want to like, give you today and I want us to think about. Just because you go through this experience of education and just because you know Scripture and just because you become a better and better Christian does not make you a good person or a good Christian. So there, there's things in life that are brought about by experience, like parenting. No one, I mean, if they gave us a manual, we probably didn't read it until six weeks in and we didn't get any sleep and we're like, I, got, I need help, right? And so parenting is something that you kind of learn on the job. It's an on-the-job on training. What about adulting? Those of you that are about to leave home, those of you that have left home, it's a strange thing. I was talking to somebody last week and I was like, it's really hard to parent yourself, isn't it? Like, once you have to make the decisions, like, can I have ice cream for breakfast? Yes, you can, but is that the right thing to do? I don't know, maybe, maybe some days, right? So parenting or adulting is a hard thing. It's on-the-job training. No matter what your parents told you, no matter what skills they gave you, you have to actually go out and do it. Well, the same is with, with Christianity. We actually have experiences, and one of the dangerous things about being a Christian is the more you're exposed to it, the more you practice it, the more you try it out, the actual worse off you potentially could become. Now, hear me out. I'm not I'm not trying to say that you should not try to be a better person or use faith to uh, make, make you a better person or more, a more ethical or maybe a person more of character. I'm not talking about following Jesus. That is something we should always do. What I'm talking specifically about is this label of Christian. This is what Paul is trying to remind the Galatians, the people in Galatia. He's trying to remind them, listen, you can't become better and you can't out- um, outgrow the need to follow Jesus in everything you do. There's never a point in your life where you graduate from needing him every single day because Jesus is not only the starter, he's the author, he's the track, and he's the finisher of what we call faith. Um, and, and if you look in scripture, the first time the word Christian was used, it was actually a derogatory word. It was kind of like a, let, a put down, and then Christians grabbed it. And so today, in America in particular, everybody's a Christian. Because we grew up in a, in a Western country that had the foundation of Christianity uh, in certain aspects. And so people in their minds think, I'm just a Christian because I was born in America. Well, that's not accurate. Um, a Christian, a true Christian, is a follower. is someone that submits to Jesus. And so we started this year with the goal of walking through Galatians. And the very first message was talking about this idea of Jesus plus. Jesus plus. Like, we think Jesus is good, so if I add, it's going to be even better and better, and that's not true. Jesus actually is enough, and he's sufficient. He's everything. Uh, you may think of it as, like, being, uh, having greater understanding or maybe the secrets of the, the life of Christ, or maybe yeah, I, need my, I need an upgrade in my faith, or maybe something bigger and better and more committed. That's Jesus plus. So if I, if I get to a certain level of spirituality, I'm going to be better or better off. Jesus plus actually promises fulfillment and holiness based on personal achievement and accomplishment. It promises graduating to another level of spirituality. It promises superiority over other Christians. Jesus plus gives me permission to look down at other people, and it makes me feel better than them and makes me more judgmental. Jesus plus hides behind the illusion of following Jesus because I know the right answers, and it keeps us from truly knowing Jesus. It keeps you too busy to have a relationship with him. Jesus plus is a trap because it adds weight and the burden 
to the freedom that we find in Jesus. It actually adds to our weight of caring. And Jesus very clearly in our, in our bumper video is, come to me if you're burdened and if you're weary, and I will give you rest. So based on this idea, becoming a better Christian could be dangerous. And we're going to talk through that today. So the problem of being too good. Now let's see the next section. Uh, we'll see what Paul is trying to teach us. I, I just need to go back to the previous verse because he's having a conversation with the people in Asia Minor about a conversation he had with Peter. And so it's in quotations. It's actually, he's, he's, he's like quoting himself that he had this conversation with Peter, okay? And so right there in the first, uh, verse 15, it says right here, you and I are Jews from birth. This is Peter and Paul are Jews from birth, not sinners, and he puts it in quotation, like the Gentiles. Peter and Paul had this like perceived advantage because they had grown up in Judaism, it's the birthplace of Christianity. The birthplace of the way is how Acts described it, is the way is a path to follow Jesus. And so they were born with an advantage, kind of a perceived advantage of already being in the system that produced Jesus to follow him. So let's look at verse 16. It says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ not by obeying the law. And if we have believed in, in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. And you see, end quote. So he quotes himself talking to Peter, and he says, listen, we were born privileged, if you want to put it that way, where we had a basic understanding of who God was, and then Jesus came along and fulfilled the law. And if we don't watch ourselves, we'll begin to put our faith and trust in our history, kind of in our inheritance from our parents, our nationality, instead of, it says right here, the person is made right with God. How? By faith in Christ Jesus. That's the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is the faith in Jesus not obeying the law. I'd like to pray for us before we jump in the rest of the passage. Let's pray. God, this morning as we look in Galatians, I pray that you just clear our minds, that we will see clearly that uh, Paul is teaching us that we don't have to struggle, we don't have to wrestle, we, we actually can rest in Jesus. We don't need to add anything to him, we don't need to make it more complicated, but we can simply rest and trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. God, I pray that if there's someone here that is is checking Jesus out, is looking at their own faith and examining it, I pray that today the Spirit would draw them in and they would be, be aware of their dependence on Jesus, not on anything else. Jesus, we love you. Once again, we're grateful for your word where we see guidance and we see your, your truths, and we thank you for Jesus. Because of him, we have freedom. In his name we pray. Amen. So once we arrive at a certain level of Christian awareness, we kind of begin to think that we're better than others because we've gotten some information and the tendency is to think of Christianity in stages where as I progress up the ladder, I'm more intelligent, more intellectual. I can, I can teach people scripture and I can eventually wean myself off of my dependence on Jesus. Now, we would not say that 
But that's how we think about it because that's how we do the rest of our lives. We, we grow up at home and we leave. We go to school and we graduate. And it's this, it's this idea that eventually I'm going to get to a certain level where I don't need Jesus anymore and I can just look down my nose noses at other people and judge them. So, so here's a question to ponder. How would you define a good Christian? What would be the definition you would give yourself or what you're looking for in a good Christian? Now, everybody has their own ideas, I'm sure. We probably overlap on a lot of it, which some of it is, well, they read their Bible or they pray or maybe they pray before a meal at a restaurant or maybe they go to church or maybe they are a good citizen. You know, they don't cut people off on the highway and that eliminates half this room. And then it's just like, you know, there's, there's certain things that we put in our minds of what it means to be a good Christian. And then what do we do with the information like, how do we know this? Like, how can we interact with someone else and know whether they're good or if they've gotten to a certain level or not? I mean, what, how do we make this decision? What's the evidence? The truth is we all judge. And if you say, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't judge anybody, that's not true. We all judge. We all have preconceived ideas. We all we all look for patterns, and we all judge people based on patterns, and we, we end up putting a certain level of condemnation or possible um, uh, freedom on people based on what we judge, what we see. Have you ever judged a book by its cover? Have you ever judged a person by one interaction with them? Is the first impression the, the same impression you have going down the, down, the, down the road? A lot of us are terrible at first impressions, like so bad that some people are like, man, what a jerk. And then later on, they're like, man, I thought you were a jerk, and you're really not a jerk. And it's like, yeah, I have this resting face that's real mean. Sorry. Uh, and people say, smile, smile. Yeah, I mean, it's just like there's certain aspects that we judge out the gate. And so Paul is specifically talking about something so internal, and he says we are not made right by obeying the law. Think about it. This is an external thing. This is something external. All of us can judge one another by external actions and have no idea what's going on deep in the heart. And he says, listen, faith, and we're not made right by all this external stuff. We're made right by faith in Christ Jesus. And he goes, so what's the point? He, he basically just says, what's the point if I've been made right by my faith in Christ and then I begin building up this stuff to prove that I have faith in Christ? Verse 17. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we're found guilty because we've abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? And he says, absolutely not. So, so here's the tension, and here's the tension I've experienced, is faith in action, and then my heart and mind in the whole thing. So, so my, my goal is to transfer what's in my heart to my mind and my actions. And so all of us have a way of setting up a system to make that happen. And we do it all the time based on, do I need to get somewhere on time? I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to set another alarm. I'm going to make sure someone calls me. We, we do this every day to get us to do what we're supposed to do. And with Christianity or with faith or with something internal, the, the tension is, I know what my heart needs to do. I know what God's called me to do. I know what I'm supposed to do but I need to transfer that to my actions and the way I speak and the way that I talk. And so the tension is there is this progression towards Jesus. And I can either let the Spirit do it or I can manufacture it. 
Here's the problem with me manufacturing it, is I can fool everyone around me because of the things that I do. And they have no idea that deep in my heart I'm dying. They have no idea deep in my heart it's rotten to the core. They have no idea deep in my heart I have so much doubt that it just takes just a little word for me to walk away. This is why we as believers, we as the family of God, need to be very transparent and vulnerable because it's easy to put on a show that we're walking through it. And so Paul's asking this question. He's like, so if I put my faith in Jesus and then I'm guilty by abandoning the law, does the law make me sin or does Jesus, like following him, make me sin? And he's, he's talking about these two things. He's talking about Judaism. This is their whole practice. And people thought that if they were going to follow Jesus, they had to abandon doing right. And they wanted to force it on people that were Gentiles, non-Jews. Hey, you need to do this if you're going to be right with God. So let's go back, for, let's go to verse 18. Rather, he answers his own question, I'm a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I've already torn down. Here's what happens when we come to Jesus. We have these burdens, we have these weights, we have this kind of a separation, this angst in our soul. We know something's wrong. We come to him and we give him our life. And something miraculous happens in our soul and everything is kind of fresh and clean. It's like, it's like confessing or getting caught doing something. You're like, oh man, this is good. And we feel clean. And then all of a sudden, we begin trying to rebuild the weight that we had just escaped. The chains that we just walked away from, we begin to rebuild them in our lives in order to rebuild an old system of the law. So, um, I don't know how this goes in your family and your house, but when you grow up, your, your family grows up with patterns of behavior. And so if you set the table, my family was very, my mom was like etiquette, 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 and she trained us for a few things. So mom's here, I'll try not to say crap. Whoops, I just did, sorry mom. All right, so we took that away, so that's gone. Um, but, so setting the table, you would put a plate, and then you'd put a knife and the knife was always on the right side, and then you put a fork, and then you put a spoon. If you didn't put a spoon, there was no dessert. So if you're setting the table and you didn't put a spoon on the table, forget that, you don't get dessert. All right, I'm serious, and this happened. We didn't have dessert, and it was ready, and we just couldn't eat it because someone forgot to put the spoon there. So we were so meticulous, napkin and all this stuff, and you got to do it right, and you got to put the, the cup here. So I'm making my mom sound out to be a Nazi. That's not her. She's not a dictator. But she wanted to train us that this is the way to go. The second thing was you never leave food on your plate. You got to finish your plate. There's starving kids in Africa, you know. I don't know why they don't like broccoli, but they would love that meat stuff, you know. It's like, you got to finish your plate. So when I grew up and I left home, in my mind, in order to have a place set, you got to have a plate, you got to have a knife and a fork, and you have to have, if you're going to have salad, you got to have a salad fork, you got to have the spoon, very etiquette, right? And the plate. I've got to finish my plate, and then I met a girl that didn't finish her plate, and it really made me feel ugh, like something's wrong. So what did I do is I finished her plate. <laughs> so I finished my plate and her plate. And then I had kids. And I'm like, ugh, finish, 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 right? And then I was 80 pounds heavier and I didn't know why. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is we have systems that we grow up with and then we're freed from them. And Christy told me this one thing, Ray, you're either going to waste it or waste it. Ooh, that's a good proverb, you know? And it changed the way I viewed it, but I had to get over this conscience thing. I had to get over this guilt thing. 
my, my mom wasn't, my mom and dad weren't trying to make me feel guilty, but it was this growing up in this structure. I left home. No one was looking over my shoulder. I could leave a chicken wing on the plate and no one's going to know. I could throw it away and no one was going to know, but I knew. Okay, do you get what I'm saying? Now, all of us have this. And we go off on our own and then we do our own thing and we always feel a little dirty leaving stuff on a plate. That trash compactor got some, got some food. And you feel guilty. Like, I'm, I'm just being serious. This is it. So this is the same with faith. We come to faith in Christ, and everything's torn down. And then our conscience, and we think, oh, I wonder who's telling me this. It's our conscience telling us to rebuild things that we already got away from. We got freedom from. And what we end up doing is we end up trying to rebuild an old system we tore down. We have freedom. Look at the verse 19. For when I tried to keep the law... It condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two paths. You can't go down two paths. You'll just be confused and upset. And he says right here that I tried to keep the law, but it condemned me. Have you ever tried Ten Commandments, just Ten Commandments alone, tried to actually do the Ten Commandments every day, all day? Anybody? Now, I've tried. So just go to Deuteronomy. You'll find the Ten Commandments. And you start. First one, no other gods before me, and I'm first, right? That's the first one. You're like, oh, I can, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Oops, I just lost it right there, right? And you're like, oh, that's not a god. Well, it's an idol. I think we, we're pretty good at that. And then you skip down the list, and you're like, okay, um, obey your parents. That's a good one, you know. Let's, let's obey my parents. Oh, this is good. Except, hey, did you brush your teeth? Yep, I did. No, I didn't. Clean your room? Oh, I did. No, I didn't. Stuff everything under the bed, right? I mean, we all cannot fulfill the law every day. So he says, I died to the law. He's comparing and contrasting death and life. You see how serious he is? He's very serious about this where he says, I died so that I could live. This is a life and death struggle. So because we're so good at creating systems and idols, we must daily walk away from the systems we're building, daily, because every day they creep back in. Every day they creep back in where I'm going to trust. Verse 20, one of the most famous verses in Galatians. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He continues this thought of life and death. If I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to give my life to him, it says I must die. The, 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 most, the hardest thing is, is that you're dead but living. A lot of people have said a living sacrifice. This, particular, this uh, passage in the NLT just says, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm not living anymore, anymore, but Christ is living through me. And so I have died, and now Jesus is the one that guides and directs, and he's the one that convinces. He's the one that I follow, and yet every single day, I can pull myself right off the altar. I can walk away every day. So although I'm dead, I can bring that thing back to life and walk away. I can begin to trust other things. I can begin to trust myself. He's talking specifically about being real or over being religious 
or being vulnerable or being vehement or being closed off or confessional or concealing. He's talking very clearly life and death are in following Jesus. Crucified with Christ, the word, there's three words in English, and it's one word in the Greek, and it's by the death of Christ upon the cross, I have become utterly estranged from or dead to my former habit of feeling and action. This is where the work is, because the old self keeps coming back, trying to take over. And every day I've got to put it to death. Every day I've got to walk away. Every day I've got to follow Jesus. So my, my source, my life, shifts from me to Jesus. It shifts from my desires to his desires. It shifts from my wants and my systems to his. And it's a daily walk. Look at verse 21. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Here, here's what we're doing, and here's the, here's the brutal honest truth. When I begin to focus on something else than Jesus in my faith, and I begin building a system, and I know I'm building a system because when I have the system, I begin to judge other people that are not doing it. And once I build this system, what I'm telling Jesus is, I've got this, you don't have to die. I've got this. I'm going to die. Not that I'm going to die so you can live. I'm actually going to put myself on the cross, and I'm going to take the sin for myself. And you're like, oh, I wouldn't do that. That's actually what we're doing. When we create a system that cuts Jesus out of the picture, we're crawling up on the cross to pay for our own sins. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So my question is, are you so busy attempting to do right that you've lost your relationship with God? You can't serve the law and Christ at the same time. Many times it's exhausting watching you, watching me, try to earn God's favor. We get to draw close to Him and experience a relationship with Him. It's not a chore. It's not a burden. It's actually life because I can set aside everything else that I've built. So have you forgotten your dependence on Jesus? Have you built a system that eliminates your need for him? Are you so good that Jesus is out of the picture? Or is your life living in total dependence on him? We need the gospel every single day because I need to remind myself that it's not about me. It's not about me becoming perfect. Jesus is already perfect. So today, think about this as you leave. Have I replaced Jesus on the cross with myself? Have I replaced Jesus on the cross with myself? Are you trying to be the payment for sin that was already canceled? So this week, daily relinquish control of your eternity to Jesus. Daily relinquish your control of eternity to Jesus. Let's pray. God, this morning we're grateful for Jesus. There's so many times, God, that we begin to try to graduate, and we don't even do it on purpose. It's just we, we think that we've got this. And you've shown us in your word over and over again, it's a life of dependence, not independence. It's a life of total trust, not of self-sufficiency. 
Jesus, we're grateful for that day that you came and found us. And then we, we end up trying to build it ourselves, telling you that we got it. Please forgive us where we've done that and forgive us where we've taught other people to do that. Forgive us where we've taught our kids to do that. Jesus, I pray that today you'd convince us and your spirit through your word would convince us that I am no longer living, but Christ is living through me. So the decisions I make, the, the things that I think, God many times aren't in line with Jesus, and my prayer is that we could align ourselves with you. Not out of a burden to carry, but out of freedom from the things we've been trying to build. Let us sit in your presence and experience you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and worship together.